Hello, Hoopaholics. It's Coach Spins here from the Box and One, and it's never too early for a way too early look at the 2024 NBA Draft. We're almost a year out of this thing, and I'm going to break down a couple players who have caught my eye, whether they're returners, freshmen, and one and done, and maybe some international prospects, because I do expect this to be a heavy crop of international players going in the first round. But we're going to look at some players who have caught my eye. This is a very inexact science, not going to go in terms of consensus that we see on other outlets or other ranking sites. For me, these are the players who I have seen that I believe have a game that's translatable to the NBA, and I certainly believe in long term. I do understand that these way too early mock drafts are often very wrong and they come out a little bit more as an overall big board ranking as opposed to something that does resemble team fit that you would see in a mock. But nonetheless, let's dive right in. The first look here at the 2024 NBA Draft. My front runner to be the number one overall pick next year is Ron Holland, an athlete going to the G League Ignite. Really athletic and bursty player, loves to handle and mismatch drive to the basket, has really been a highly touted prospect for a long period of time. Initially committed to Texas, where I wasn't so sure about his offensive development playing in that system, but then changed around and flipped to play for the G League Ignite. I think that the open pace of a really professional basketball league is going to help Holland a lot. Much more of a rim attacker with the ball in his hands than anything, but it's shown real strides as a pull-up shooter and playmaker over the last couple years. Was pretty impactful as a slasher when playing off of other really good players, something I expect him to continue at the next level, but a really high-level toolsy defender on top of everything. If he can continue to put things together from a shot-making standpoint, then Holland is going to have enough juice in a well-rounded game where he's one of the highest floor players in the 2024 draft class. Really impactful defender and athlete, has tons of great chase down blocks and transition, really good two-way player. I love the fit for him in the G League Ignite program, a spot that can keep developing him on offense. Next for me is Justin Edwards, a 19-and-a-half-year-old wing out of Kentucky. He's going to be one of the older players in this draft class with true potential to go number one overall. Really long-armed, springy athlete on the wing. His game has constantly popped playing for Motep Charter and some different AAU programs, just knowing how bursty he is. But one of the things that I love about Edwards is the progression he's taken over the last year to become a self-creation scorer. He's got a beautiful, pristine stroke, and the lefty is able to play off-ball, something that most wings really look for at the NBA level. But he has really, really improved as a self-creation playmaker, looks really comfortable both from three and in the mid-range. His body mechanics are pristine. I love the way he stops on a dime and raises into his shot. Those are high-profile traits that I look for in a potential top pick. Edwards is going to pop this year at Kentucky, a team that has a lot of younger players on it. He's a little older than most, has that real creativity to score, and is certainly an NBA caliber athlete on the wing. Big fan of Edwards. A lot of folks are a big fan of Matas Bazelis to be the number one pick in this draft class. 6'9", 6'10", downhill slashing forward, really skilled with the ball in his hands, and is an above-the-rim finisher. He popped playing for the expressions in AAU settings and has had different levels of success at high school, become the New Hampshire Gatorade Player of the Year when he was at Brewster Academy a couple years ago. Bazelis needs to continue to improve as a jump shooter and perimeter playmaker. I'm worried a little bit about how many reps he's going to get on ball playing for the G League Ignite, 
but the spacing that a pro league can afford him may allow his game to pop more than it would if he stayed at the college level. Tremendously high upside as a front court creator in Bezelis. We're going really young here. Elliot Cadeau, the point guard who just reclassed to move up to North Carolina, is our pick to be number four here just at the start of this draft cycle. See a really high upside for him as a self-creator, a scorer, and a well-rounded point guard. He's got a tremendous feel for the game with the ball in his hands, knows when to go, and knows when to slow down. He's a little bit undersized at the point guard position, and younger guys who've moved into college basketball and reclassed to be there sooner than later have had a very mixed bag of results right off the bat. But if Cadeau is able to hit this year at North Carolina and just be a consistent playmaker, I have really high hopes for him as a scorer and a point general at the next level. Underrated bounce when he attacks the basket, really crafty finisher near the rim, can handle and create for himself and others. This is just a, a guy who's really risen and gotten better a lot over the last year or so. I think he's going to really pop when he plays with other strong players. Love the right hand wraparound passes he has out of the pick and roll. Pretty good feel of creating for himself and others. Really high ceiling for a guy like Cadeau, which is why he cracks the top five on this preseason board. I mentioned I think there's going to be a lot of international flavor at the top of this draft. Alex Saar, who played last year with the Overtime Elite program, but is a French prospect who's heading to Australia to play with the Perth Wildcats next year. It's a guy I, have, I believe has a tremendous ceiling for NBA trajectory. Really long, fluid, and mobile as about a 6'9 or 6'10 big man. I think he can play the four or the five positions. Great amount of skill with the ball in his hands, and you can see it flash in different ways. He attacks closeouts and finishes near the basket. He can pick and pop. He can pick and roll. I do believe in the shooting long term. It's an area that he, he was able to show off this year playing with the young dreamers in that overtime elite program because he was able to space the floor as a front court prospect. If the shot is legitimate, I think there's just too much skill for him as a jumbo initiator, creator, and skilled front court threat to not have his game pop at the NBA level. There are certain improvement areas he has to make to get more consistent and more physical on the interior. But offensively, he's got a high ceiling, and defensively with his length and athletic tools, plus the way he played at the U-17 World Cup, there's real versatility. Let's stick with the international flavor here. Izzy Almansa also played last year for the Overtime Elite program, but is now headed to the G League Ignite. So this could be three of the top six picks belonging to that Ignite program. We'll see if they have too many cooks in the kitchen. But Almansa continues to pop in international competition, whether it's the U18 games in Europe, playing in the U-17 World Cup last summer. All of the levels that he plays at, he's incredibly impactful as a skilled big man. Doesn't quite have the jump shot down yet, but everything else in his game is very legitimate. Awesome finisher both above the rim and with touch on his floater when he's coming out of the pick and roll. Great short roll passer and creator. That's something that I expect a lot of NBA teams to value moving forward. Skilled big men who can put the ball on the deck a little bit and create for others in that short roll area. Tremendously impactful defender, long with great instincts. He doesn't leave his feet too often. He can rebound and run a little bit in the open floor. So many traits that I love about Almansa. If he can continue to tap into his shooting upside, he's going to be a top 10 pick. 
My favorite returner to the college basketball ranks is big point guard at Duke, Tyrese Proctor, six foot four, maybe six five, always been seen as a strong defender and an elite creator for others with the ball in his hands. Duke didn't commit to putting the ball there till later on in the season, and I thought he really popped over the final month of the year. Showed a lot of late season upside that's gonna allow him to continue to get better next year. The area where that upside really came in is the ability to create his own shot. It was a huge issue for him to start of the season at Duke. It's hard to justify NBA guys playing with the ball in their hands if they aren't much of a threat to score. Proctor looked much more comfortable creating his own in the mid-range area and started to use his physical frame to create space for him to finish near the basket. A lot of upside for Proctor to tap into this year with the Blue Devils. Next, we've got Zachary Rizache playing for Osvel in France. Really well-rounded game for this European wing. I don't see the top pick potential for a guy like him. Not really an explosive athlete or a guy who's got true number one creator upside, but he does so many things well on the basketball court and makes generally strong decisions. Decent length on the wing, can hit pull-up jumpers in that mid-range area, is effective at spacing the floor out to three. Very pristine, compact mechanics on his catch-and-shoot jumper but knows how to have the ball find him within the flow of offense. You don't have to run a ton of stuff for Rizache. He's just going to be able to play off of other really impactful players. That's something that I value at the wing position. I think he could stand to speed up his jump shot a little bit more. It's got some mechanical things that I'd want to see him work on, but he is an impactful two-way player. Smart decision maker with the ball in his hands, good shooter, and a guy in the defensive end who does compete. A lot to like here with Rizache. One of the higher upside players in this class is Cody Williams, the athletic pogo stick of a wing going to Colorado. Tremendous ascent from him over the last 18 months where he's turned into one of the top recruits out of high school in this class. You can see the rim pressure that he generates with the ball in his hands. Long, lanky, bursty athlete, loves to finish above the rim. I do have some concerns about how legitimate the jump shot and self-creation really are might project a little bit more as a slasher and athletic type who's just going to overpower guys with his ability to get to the rim. He's really shown some touch around the basket recently, which has me intrigued. And if the jump shot developments that he's made over the last several months are very legitimate, then Cody has the opportunity to be more than just an athletic open court type of player at the next level. He's got some things he needs to show, but the younger brother of Oklahoma City Thunder wing Jalen Williams does have a really high upside. I do have a top 10 grade on him to start the cycle. At 10, I've got Isaiah Collier out of USC, point guard who's more of a pass-first guy, really quick with the ball in his hands, gets into the lane and makes tremendous decisions. I tend to love guys like this. Collier a little bit undersized, but plays with real strength, has some feel in that mid-range area to make decisions quickly. Want to see if he continues to progress as a balanced scorer and playmaker. He's shown a little bit more with the jump shot of late, particularly out to three. That's part of the reason that he has risen on the high school recruiting rankings over the last year and become a consensus top five player in the class. Collier's range is what is going to make him appealing to NBA teams. He's got to be able to consistently drill shots far behind the three-point line, which is going to unlock space for him to be a little bit more crafty as a playmaker. A lot to like when you put the ball in Collier's hands. The margin for error is just so thin for undersized point guards, which is why Collier checks in here at number 10. 
No prospect in the lottery has gotten better over the last 12 months than Garway. Duol was headed to Providence to play for first-year head coach there, Kim English. Duol is an unbelievable athlete with the ball in his hands, long, lanky, and plays a little bit more like an oversized point guard. Loves to get into the lane, particularly pushing tempo in transition, smooth finisher with his right hand, and a really underrated playmaker for others. That's an aspect of his game that I especially expect to pop in late clock situations where he's going to be able to get downhill. Dual lives in transition right now. He's got to continue to make some strides with his jump shot, but there is a little bit of an in-between game there, something he can use with runners around that free throw line. But what I love most about Dual, long, lanky, and tremendously skilled on the defensive end of the floor. If he can continue to put together some of his improvements as a playmaker and scorer on offense, this is a really high ceiling two-way player. Garway Duall is a name everyone should know. As we get a little bit farther outside of the top 10, you're going to see me start to value wings a lot more because those are players who I think NBA teams are always looking for. Positional size, shot-making ability. Jacoby Walter, who's headed to Baylor, has that unbelievable shot-making ability and really good size is about 6'6". Six six. Long arms, but uber-confident, is willing to pull up feet behind the three-point line and consistently knock down those jumpers. You can put the ball in his hands and trust that he's going to be able to create something for himself. And I do believe he has the ability to play off ball. The mechanics on his jumper are very pristine. And wings like him, who just have a knack for scoring the basketball at multiple levels, are really important. Want to see him put a little bit more pressure on the rim. Not a great separating athlete, but a ton of skill that Walter shows. And I love the fact that he's heading to Baylor, a spot that's really going to help him improve on defense. Donovan Klingon at Connecticut won a national championship this year and is an absolutely massive human being, but it's not just his size that makes him an NBA type of prospect. He's a dominant shot blocker who can do more than just stand near the basket. Really mobile on the defensive end of the floor, love the soft feet, the way that he moves in space, rare for somebody of his size. It's going to allow him to play at the level and be in multiple pick and roll schemes both this year and in the future. Offensively, yes, he's massive and he buries guys down on the post. That's how he gets so many of his easy buckets. But he's a smart player when he commands double teams and he's got really soft touch near the basket when he needs to go to his hook shot. Polished footwork, really, really crafty, has worked to get himself in better shape over the last 18 months, which is one of the reasons why he is a high, high ceiling player, despite not always being that mobile big man that a lot of NBA teams look for with skill. Klingon is a force on the offensive glass, just an impossible player to try to move in space. See a really, really high ceiling for him at the NBA level if his mobility and skill level are legitimate on higher sample sizes this year. At 14, I've got DJ Wagner, the point guard, headed to Kentucky. He's been a highly touted prospect for a number of years. The son of Dewan Wagner, who played at Memphis for the Cleveland Cavaliers. DJ is really quick with the ball in his hands. Great athlete with end-to-end -end speed. Catches and rips and puts pressure on the rim in a hurry. And he has the touch with both hands to be able to finish around different players. Wagner's got to work a little bit more on his in-between game as well as his perimeter jump shooting ability. He puts pressure on the rim with blazing speed, but he's got to be able to create for others a little bit better, decelerate in the lane, and make some really strong decisions. We've seen improvement from him as a jump shooter over the last 18 months. Want to see that continue at Kentucky and beyond, but he is an uber-confident player with all of the athletic traits to make it in the NBA. 
I do believe that Kentucky was a good fit for him because that has been point guard university over the last several years. Wagner has a really high ceiling to create with the ball in his hands and definitely has top five upside in the 2024 draft class. At 15, I've got Bronny James, the combo guard, headed to USC. I don't think people realize how smart of a basketball player he is and how scalable his role is to success in the NBA. Great high-level, high-energy defender, smart decision-maker with the ball in his hands, but more than anything, an electric shooter. He's really good on the move, smart in knowing when to get his shot up, deep range, great in the corners, just the right combo guard to play off of other really good lead decision-makers. That's going to make him attractive to a lot of NBA teams, particularly knowing he's got a high athletic ceiling. But trying to nail down Bronny James' draft pick and prospects is really difficult because you don't know what the hype machine and how much of the off-court investment a team can make off of a guy like Bronny is going to be. Besides, we do hear rumors that he and his father might want to play together to close out LeBron's career. If that is the case, then Bronny could get drafted higher for reasons other than his skill. At 16, I've got Mackenzie Mbako, who's the wing headed to Indiana this year. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I think a lot of prospects that I tend to fall in love with early in the draft cycle are those bigger wings who fit NBA mold, who are going to be really good shooters at the next level. Mbako is one of the best shooters coming out of high school this year. Consistent with his 6'6", maybe 6'7", frame, can be utilized in different ways. Ghost pick and pops, running off of screens, setting different combo actions. He's got fantastic footwork and the ability to hit one dribble pull-ups when he gets chased off the line, as well as those sidestep or step back threes that allow him to get an extra point. I can see him with his deep range and uber confidence really attracting a lot of attention from NBA teams and scouts and potentially moving up draft boards throughout the entire year. I believe the middle part of the first round is a great spot for him because again, doesn't generate a ton of rim pressure but he does have this mid-post ability. If he's able to highlight this this year at Indiana and be a tough shot maker, he could be a potential number one option in the NBA someday. We're heading back to the G League Ignite with a little bit of international flavor here. Thierry Darlan is headed to the Ignite this year out of the NBA Academy in Africa. Really long-armed shot maker who popped over the last several years for just having a natural propensity to drill shots from behind the three-point line. He's going to have to tap into that this year if he wants to play for the Ignite next to all of their front court pieces and guys like Holland, Bazelis, and Almansa. But one of the things that I've really caught on about Darlin over the last several months is just how versatile his shooting can be. It's not just off the bounce or off the catch. He can hit some shots on the move. He's got a really high ceiling and a long way to go to attack there, particularly off of the bounce. Darlan is a boom or bust prospect for the Ignite this year who might be more than one year away. As a stretch big man, there's a lot of appeal for Xavier Booker, the big man out of Cathedral High School in Indiana. Booker can handle, rebound, and run very fluid athlete for a guy who's about 6'10 or 6'11. The lefty does have the ability to put the ball on the floor in the half court and attack off the bounce but his fluid athleticism isn't the only appealing part of his game as a potential stretch big. He's really shot the ball well over the last year. The mechanics are a little bit funky, but the release is quick and he has real confidence in that shot. A stretch pick and pop big is something that a lot of NBA teams can get behind, and Tom Izzo at Michigan State has always done a really nice job of developing big men and showing their toughness off. 
Booker a year from now could be the exact type of stretch big option that NBA teams covet. Athletically, Kwame Evans, who's headed to Oregon, looks the part. Long, bursty, athletic, and very comfortable playing on the perimeter for somebody of his size. He could become a defensive menace this year. I can see him playing in Dana Altman's different zones at atop the key, trying to be able to get the Ducks out in transition, while also rotating from behind to protect the basket. Very good shot blocker with awesome instincts on defense. One of the things that Evans has to continue to tap into is his ability to guard the perimeter. That's where his NBA upside lies. Being somebody who can really guard three through maybe five at the next level, he's got quick hands, solid instincts on defense, and his length and athleticism are really disrupting. Evans on the offensive end projects as being a little bit more of a play finisher than a play creator. Not great with the ball in his hands, but he has shown a little bit of stretch shooting ability that gives us a little bit of intrigue. He could end up being a really high ceiling first rounder this year. Adai Mara has played at Zaragoza in a professional league as a teenager over the last year and made a little bit of an impact, but he's been used more as a screen and roll finishing big man. If you watched him at the U-17 World Cup last year, you know that he's got really great feel when he operates with the ball in his hands. Smart decision maker with his back to the basket, real skill and footwork down on the blocks. He was a force to be reckoned with for Spain in the World Cup last year. Mara is trying to come over and play at UCLA right now. We'll see where he ends up playing next year. I do think going to a system that's going to allow him to show his playmaking skill, ability to use both hands near the basket, and be more than just a screen and roll finisher is really important for Mara to continue to rise up draft boards. He's a really smart decision maker and a potential offensive hub, both with his back to the basket and at the top of the key. There's a really high upside for just high field big men in the NBA right now. Mara checks a lot of those boxes. He probably just needs to be able to show some improved mobility on the defensive end. A trendy pick amongst all returners to go in the lottery, Riley Kugel out of Florida exploded over the final eight games of the season for the Gators and really proved that he has number one scoring upside unlimited confidence and range with the ball in his hands, kind of a playground playmaker who creates a ton of space for himself on step backs, mid-range isolations, really good range out to three, the definition of a fun, tough shot maker. Florida let him go down the stretch run of the season and he exploded for them, but he's going to need to make some improvements as a creator for others with the ball in his hands. He uses his strength in his frame at six foot five well to create space for himself. He's got a pretty decent handle and some real creativity in his step. And I love the ability that he shows to play off ball. That's something that's going to be important for him at the next level. He is a good catch and shoot threat who made over 37% of his threes as a freshman. Really high ceiling for a guy like Kugel. I think he just needs a little bit more versatility to his game to go inside the lottery. We're starting to get into real guard-heavy territory in this class. I think there are a lot of high upside point guards who can make it to the NBA as one-and-dones. Jackson Shellstad at Oregon has been on an unbelievable trajectory over the last several months, was one of the best players at Hoop Summit this year, and has continued to get better as a creator with the ball in his hands. Really crafty game, doesn't need a ton of space to get his shot off, quick release, but very jittery. He over dribbles at times. I do think he's got enough feel to be a playmaker at the next level, but he does want to go and create his own. Smart at using the basket to protect himself as an undersized finisher. 
and is very skilled and quick enough to drive around bigger bodies. It's going to be improved decision making, consistency as a creator for others that get Shellstad to be seen as a floor general at the next level. Was good with pick and roll partners and he'll have those this year with the Oregon Ducks level. 22 seems like a pretty reasonable preseason projection for me for Shellstad. Often forgot about because he reclassed and moved to Arizona early, Kylan Boswell actually had an impressive, efficient season last year in a bench role for the Wildcats. I'd expect that to improve next year as his role raises. He has been a pretty consistent performer for a while now. Really good compact shooter, about a 6'2", 6'3", guard who can create his own shot and play off ball. He's been really strong for Team USA playing in the U19 World Cup right now. I do see a lot of self-creation for him and more of a two-level scorer, not a guy who puts a ton of pressure on the basket, but uses his frame and his body well to create space. And as I said earlier, has the ability to play off ball. He's going to need to continue to improve as a playmaker, something that he can do within that Tommy Lloyd motion offense, and as somebody who defends at the point of attack at a consistently high level. Those who have followed me for a while know I'm a huge fan of Syracuse sophomore point guard Judah Mintz. Had a first round grade on him this year before he decided to go back to school. Just a herky-jerky point guard who's really tough to predict in terms of his movement patterns. Very slick, confident player who creates the ball in his hands, knives into contact, uses his body well, much more explosive around the rim than he gets credit for, but unbelievably crafty from 16 feet and in. I love Mintz as a passer. I think he strikes the right balance between creating for himself and others and just plays with this unreal confidence and verve that is difficult for defenses to contain once he gets ahead of steam towards the basket. I do believe in the jump shot long term, much more of a mid-range guy this year than consistently out to three, but he did show some improvement in the late part of the season and in the draft cycle. If he can consistently knock down shots, which he needs to show he can do this year, I think Mintz is really going to pop as an NBA prospect. I have been super high on Ozo Iguodaro for over a year now, felt like the first person in the public draft space to view him as a potential first round prospect, and he really showed a lot of great things last year at Marquette, leading them to a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. Iguodaro is great on the defensive end, good rim protector with great instincts, but it's the skill on offense that gives me a ton of belief in him long term. Good floater and creator out of the short roll area, athletic and bursty enough to finish off one or two feet playing in the dunker spot or off the roll. More of a touch and go guy than somebody who actually sets physical contact on screens, but he makes unreal decisions when he catches the ball in the middle third of the floor. Can be an excellent short roll playmaker at the next level. Somebody who I would expect to pair with a really good playmaking point guard. He can take other big men off the bounce. That's where the self-creation comes from Iguodaro. Not a jump shooter at this stage in his development, but so skilled with the ball in his hands that he can rebound and run. He can mismatch post and isolate guys on the wing. And in a high IQ offensive system, his game is absolutely going to pop. I see Connecticut combo guard Stefan Castle being rumored to be a potential top 10 pick in a lot of draft circles. And honestly, I understand the appeal. Deep range shooting and playmaking, somebody who's fantastic at creating for himself off the bounce and has unlimited confidence in his jumper. Those guys really stand out on the highlight circuit, and I think that Castle has continued to show that he is a tough shot maker who can get into unbelievable stretches of dominance 
once he makes a couple in a row. But more than anything with Castle, what I worry about is just the level of opportunity he's going to have to showcase those skills and get that long leash at Connecticut. They've got other good guards and guys like Tristan Newton and Cam Spencer on their roster, and I think that around Donovan Klingon, they're going to value a little bit more simplicity in floor spacing than giving the ball to Castle and just letting him rock time and time again. There is tremendous upside here, but I don't know if I see it popping in year one. UCLA big man Adembona was one of my favorite role-playing prospects, potentially in the 2023 draft class. Now he's going back to school to UCLA and can be that same prospect in 2024. A lot of his role is really contingent around having good guard play around him because on the offensive end of the floor, he's a rim runner with high energy and a screen and roll finish big man. Bona's motor is what allows him to stand out as a prospect. Not the biggest five man in the NBA or in the world, but he outworks everybody by sprinting the floor, always having a high motor on the glass, and trying to be a self-aware catch and finish big man. What I love about Bona's defensive potential is his ability to move his feet away from the basket. He's shown really good instincts as a rim protector while also being somebody who can play at the level, hedge and recover, switch in smaller doses, and have the instincts to protect the basket even from being away from the rim. Bona's upside this year as a sophomore at UCLA is really tied to whether the Bruins bring in a Daimara, the guy we talked about as being a top 20 prospect a little bit earlier. To finish out the first round, I'm just going to throw out a couple of high upside flyers who I can see really popping if they put together an efficient campaign on the offensive end of the floor. First is Rob Dillingham, the creative shot maker going to Kentucky, going to play off ball next to DJ Wagner this year. But Dillingham is just a unique playground type of player, unbelievably polished handle, and this quick ability to raise into a jump shot. His hip mobility and flexibility while going to his right is absolutely absurd and unlike anything I've seen before from a shot maker. Doesn't need a ton of space to get his game off, but I do think he's going to need to figure out ways to fit within an offensive system. Kentucky's going to use him a little bit more as that floor spacer guy who runs off of a bunch of screens. And with that, he's going to need to figure out ways to make sure he's not over dribbling or killing the momentum of flow on offense. But from a skill perspective, there is just so much that Dillingham can tap into as a creative guard. Decent live-bodied athleticism, unbelievable start-stop quickness, and real craft to finish near the basket. He needs a more well-rounded and NBAized type of game, but the creativity is certainly here. Folks, I am never going to sell my real estate on Baba Miller Island. The athletic slasher from Florida State has shown some real defensive tools this year for the Seminoles, but put together a really strange and disappointing offensive season. When he plays internationally, though, he shows a lot of diverse skills that NBA teams can get behind. Rebound and run potential, really good attacking the basket in transition. So why we're showing some of his U18 and international highlights and clips to get a feel for what he's shown he could do at prior levels. Miller was a confident shot maker. He needs to make a couple of mechanical tweaks and continue to get stronger. He's grown so much over the last several years that tightening his handle is also going to be important. But this is a really high ceiling two-way player and somebody who, if he figures it out this year at Florida State, should be back in the first round conversation. The last guy I have listed here is Trey Alexander out of Creighton. I just believe he's a really well-rounded guard who does everything well. 
Love him as a defender. Long arm to the point of attack. Chases guys over the top of screen. Contests shots from behind. Picks up a lot of blocks for a guard prospect. Really important for him as somebody who's about six foot four. His NBA role is probably going to be more as a point guard than somebody who plays as a two guard defensively, but he can do a little bit of everything on offense. Cerebral shot maker in that mid-range area, really improved with his confidence as the season went on and shot the ball at the level he's capable of this year as a sophomore. When he was a freshman, wasn't a knockdown three-point shooter, but always had pristine mechanics and the ability to play off ball. I think if Alexander shows that he can be a really versatile pick and roll playmaker for himself and for others, then he is going to find himself again within that first round conversation. I was really high on Alexander coming into the 2023 draft cycle, but he has a lot of areas he can prove by going back to school at Creighton, and I expect him to do so. We've got a bunch of other names here on our watch list as potential one and dones or other names who can reveal themselves as first round prospects throughout the next cycle. This is always going to be fluid. You never know who ends up in this range a year from now, but based on what I've seen up to this point, these were the 30 guys and a couple others to watch who I am highest on heading into the 2024 draft cycle.